Hey guys, have you heard about Anchor by Spotify? It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a few others. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And I save the best part for last. It's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. If you don't know what better looks like, I do. Come on, let's talk about it with me, the mind massager. Can you hear me, Scipio? 
Who's echoing my hearing? I can hear you. Thank you. Are you on time now? Sounds like you have a little delay. All right. I'm delayed. Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to click you out. Come back in. All right. Y'all, we're going to get Scipio worked out in just a second. Uh, let's try it again. Can you hear me now? Let me, y'all, I'm, I'm, y'all in the chat, bear with me for a hot second. I got to get him to uh, log out and log back in. But we are having and log back in. All right. Hopefully he'll see that. All right, so everybody that's in the chat, do me one favor. Okay, do I can hear you now. You can hear me now? Yes, sir. All right, mute your phone, though, because I can hear myself in your background. Turn your turn your volume off on your phone. As far as it, you turned off. Yes, sir. No, somebody else. I can still hear hear myself in the background. I don't know who that is. Let me see. Let me see if it's you. Yes, yeah, you. The only thing it is that's playing now is my speaker. All right. So you, but you should be able to turn down the volume on your media. You can leave your regular speaker up and turn your media down, so I can't hear myself in the background. All right, so yeah, that, that, that was all of our technical difficulties and they're worked out now. So now we're going to move forward with our show tonight. First of all, welcome to the Intellectual Stoop with yours truly, James Kirkland. I appreciate you all for so much. Some of y'all have been hanging with me since I started in May, and I appreciate you so much. Uh, and we, what we try to do is we try to have conversations that we believe will help our communities. I believe in saying, uh, having the type of conversations that when you people hear them, they can relate to those conversations, and when they're able to relate to those conversations, uh, they see themselves in those situations, and they see uh, other people get out of those situations. And uh, then guess what? They're able to have a little hope themselves that they might be able to get out of their current situation. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're talking about a subject that I have called rebounding from rock bottom. Now, let me start by saying this. Not everyone will experience rock bottom. Uh, everybody, everybody just doesn't get to that lowest place. But, but my question tonight is, what does rock bottom look like? Well, it's something that alters your world in such an extreme way that you plummet all the way to what rock bottom is. And whether it's the death of a loved one, illness, a lifelong accident, a bankruptcy, the death of a marriage, a toxic relationship that ends and leaves you at your most broken. Whatever broken, whatever rock bottom looks like to you, that's what it could have been when you found yourself incarcerated, uh, when you have made a bad investment, uh, when you uh, had to file for divorce and found yourself alone. Wherever your lowest place was or is, because some people are at rock bottom right now, that represents your rock bottom. And the question tonight is, how did you handle it? And were you able to overcome it? In fact, some people right now presently might be at rock bottom. And my question for you is, how are you handling it? And are you all right? Are y'all all right? Are y'all all right? And uh, what I want to do tonight, I brought two gentlemen on with me, and we're going to discuss some of their personal issues, their personal friends of mine, personal acquaintances of mine that I've known, and I personally know their story. And since I know their story, 
um, it makes it a lot easier. Uh, I mean, but that's why I had to ask them could I share their story? Did they want to share their testimony? Uh, Scipio, that's Scipio's a good friend of mine. We've been knowing each other. How long was Scipio? Since 1993? Yes. You were 21 year old, 21 years old in 12th grade, something like that? <laughs> I don't know about 21 <laughs> years old in 12th grade. You might be exaggerating a little bit. <laughs> I think I am exaggerating a little bit, but no, Sip and I, I'm substitute teaching at uh, Scipio school way back then. Scipio, man, uh, we're going to get to you, Scipio, but Scipio actually was one interesting. If it wasn't Scipio, I might not have had a wife, and I might not have had three children because Scipio introduced me uh, to my ex. She and I, and I'm not, that's not an ex that I hate or anything like that, but I'm thankful for that. But yeah, Scipio was very, very much responsible for introducing me to my ex-wife. So he's a personal friend of mine uh, from Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, and he has had his own personal share of challenges, so we're going to talk about that tonight. But we also have another young man that I met, if I believe it must have been around, Craig, what was it, 2006, 2007? Yeah, about that, 2005, 2000, about 2005. Okay, 2005, I met uh, Craig, and I'll let him pretty much tell you how he met, but I, at that point, I had started a church up in Dalton, Georgia, and, uh, and, uh, and, and I had a young lady that was a member of mine that was a parole officer. And as a parole officer, she would bring a lot of parolees to the church. You know, that was, you know, and that was one, that was kind of our foundation at that time. And, uh, and, and Craig and I met uh, during that time. And, uh, and when I heard, when I learned Craig's story, it was amazing. Cause number one, I was, I was honored that Craig would, uh, would choose to follow me because I was a young minister. I was a young man, young minister. We had a church in a community center at the time uh, but Craig recognized the power of God on my life, and uh, he decided that I think at that initial uh, introduction that he would uh, be a part of our church, and uh, and I was super super appreciative of that. But Craig, where are you from, man? I'm originally from New York. I'm, I'm from Long Island, New York, and uh, you know, uh, life choices. Uh, found my way to Georgia, and I'll just pick up where you were, um, Pastor. I still call you Pastor. I don't know what. A lot of other people call you, but um, yeah, as he said that uh, my uh, parole officer at the time uh, was a member of his church and she asked me to come to the church. I was a little reluctant, but I'm a, I'm a, I like to take advantage of opportunities. I didn't think anything wrong could, could happen from going to the church. And uh, as, as time showed, a lot of good things happened. And just to give a little backdrop, um, because you know, how do we rebound from uh, from rock bottom? My rock bottom. I've had several in my life, but one of the ones that I had that was uh, really, really something. Uh, I was on death row, and uh, that's very traumatic uh, to be on death row. Most people have difficulty trying to live, and I was trying to have a good reason to die. I, wow. I knew my death date. I knew my death time, so I was trying to find what is a good reason to die today. I didn't see any any purpose in life. I was just trying to find a reason to die. And uh, I was blessed to come off of that and receive a life sentence. And I was also blessed to come off of that and receive 20 years. Uh, so I won't go all the way into all those aspects about it, but you can tell that for me, that was rock bottom. I mean, to lose everything, including your life, uh, I just couldn't see, and I couldn't see tomorrow. But somehow I made it through. I know how I made it through. It was—it's definitely 
not me. It's definitely due to God. But I had to do the work. I mean, I I couldn't just lay down and sit down. I had to do the work. And uh, I've been uh, I've been liberated successfully without reincarcerated uh, for 21 years now. And I'm 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 really strong at helping all people uh, in whatever difficulties they may find themselves in, Um, because we all have a story to tell. And we all, whatever darkness that we have, it's, it's a light for somebody. Uh, I haven't even spoken about my life in this manner, um, never. Um, and I did this for, for the pastor. You know, I'm at work right now. And I, I, I asked my, uh, my regional manager, I need a little time off for a minute. I said, I'm going to go in the car uh, just so that I can be a part of the show, just so that I can have an opportunity to listen and learn from other people. But I also can share something. That's a wonderful thing. You, you, you started breaking up a little bit there towards the end. Can you, you still there? Uh, yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you yeah, now. You broke up. You said you, you said you normally don't don't speak about this to anybody. Yeah, I, 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 normally, uh, I, I normally don't speak on that. I'm not up that way. I just uh, need to continue to talk about, you know, incarceration, prison, and I, I have it. But today, you know, when you asked me to be a part of the show, what the show was about, you know, I felt, you know, I felt compelled uh, to take time with work and go ahead and be a part of the show. Uh, hopefully that I can learn something and from other people's stories and how they've rebounded, make myself stronger. And if I can share some light with, with what I have overcome, that's all the more better. Yeah. And and I, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you. And that's why I was super sensitive in even dealing with your story. You know why? Because that's your story. And uh, and right. I, I, I've, uh, I've, I've always uh, held to the, the truth that it's a person should be able to tell their own story. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. um, you always have the naysayers. You always have the doubters. You always have the crowd. And the crowd is always constantly trying to assess someone else's situation. You know, I, I even uh, asked a question on Facebook the other day about uh, how many times uh, can you hit rock bottom or what does rock bottom look like to you? And one person went in, you know, it seemed like they started talking about, well, I, I, person, I don't think a person can really hot, hit rock bottom. Well, just because you haven't hit rock bottom don't mean that another person can't hit rock bottom. You know, it, isn't it ironic that God, when he constructed us, and we're fearfully and wonderfully made, but but when he constructed us, he made us all have our own fingerprints. That's right. You know what I'm saying? No, no, nobody has different fingerprints. Our fingerprints are individual and unique. You know, and so that means that we all have our own testimonies, that we all have our own stories. And while we're too busy trying to, uh, while we're so busy trying to assess someone else's situation, many times we don't even have our own stuff together. And, and here you are, a brother uh, who has had to. Uh, sir, like you said, you were on death row, Greg? Yes. How long were you on death row? Five years. Five years. Is that is that one person to a cell? How does how does that how does how does that scene look in death row? Uh, <laughs> it's a very ugly scene. Uh, I don't. It, it's very difficult to describe because most people have difficulty in living with people who are living whether they're having dysfunctional relationships, dysfunctional households. So it's very difficult to express the mindset of humans, the mindset of people who know that they're going to die. They know their death date and death day. 
and it's difficult to describe what what type of mentality what where we when the mindset knows it's going to die it's, it's, it's just unbelievable to describe what they become you know it's, you, you have nothing to strive for there, there's no opportunity you know there's no positive word there's no upliftment there's nothing you can tell someone when they know tomorrow i will be executed uh you know what could you tell them and so uh just imagine a, a group of people that all know their death day and their death date and they're all isolated their families have abandoned them you know even my my i was raised in the church my whole life and uh i remember my mother telling me one day she said um why don't you just accept the Lord, accept, accept Jesus as your savior. And uh, I knew what she meant and I had accepted the Lord a long time ago. I knew what she meant, but it just wasn't logical for me because it also meant my death for me to accept my death. And I wasn't prepared to do that. I wasn't prepared to do that. I was ready to push Jesus aside. If it meant I'd have to give up my life, I wasn't ready to do that. And a lot of people say that they are, but are they really until they're faced with life and death? And I was faced with life and death. Um, so it's a very difficult situation, uh, especially uh, just to give some horridness of it. Uh, when people die, the smell of the dead body, the smell of the electricity, the 2,000 volts that go through a human's body, that smell, I have never smelled another smell like that on the planet. The smell of a human being being burned to death while you're able to not necessarily witness it, but you can smell it because you're not far away. Uh, and then some of the cruelty and the injustice of the environment, oftentimes when families did not, people didn't have family members, they would take that dead body and place that dead body in front of my cell for days, sometimes weeks. So I couldn't begin to tell you, I, I would, I would, I would grotesque, it would be too grotesque for the listeners for me to go deep into what we experienced on death row, more or less in prison. So. But it, it was very, very difficult. Very, no, very no. difficult. Craig, Craig, let, 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 Craig, let me let me say this, man, and, and let, let me put this, let me let me say this right now. First of all, uh, everyone that's in the chat, do me a favor, share this thread because somebody that thinks they're at rock bottom, you don't I mean your rock bottom is your rock bottom. But somebody's always been through something worse, just as bad as you have, and you can learn something because brother Craig is like super, super resilient. Share this thread. Like it right quick for me. Like it. Go ahead, uh, hard it, whatever. But uh, we, we're gonna listen to Craig's story. Then we're gonna listen to Scipio. Scipio, hang out, my friend. We're gonna and we're gonna get to you next. But uh, Craig, so uh, now, man, let me say this. Thank you 100% for your transparency. Because, like I said, I mean, I know you would only do this for me, and I mean, and I and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for your transparency. So, so you said you had given up five years. You're on death row. Your death date is coming. You already know your date. All those types of things. What is the process? Where did the will come to live to get you to get it from, to move from a death sentence to life in, life in prison? How did, what, how did that process look? Um, I mean, I could be honest with you. It, it, I, didn't have a, I didn't have a firm uh, faith at the time. You know, I was, still, I was still, still kind of ignorant. I was still angry angry at everything, angry at the system, angry at my parents. And I come from two educated parents. I'm 57 now. And my parents were uh, from the 60s and they felt like, let's uh, take our children and place them in white schools uh, because the, the education was better. This is in the early 60s. Uh, I never even 
went to school with black people until I was in seventh grade, uh, simply because they wanted us to have a better education at the time. And there's a whole lot of uh, issues that come from that. So I had a very strong background, meaning, you know, you have to be twice as better. You're black, you have to speak better. You have to look better. You have to dress better. You have to do the job better. You know, so I was always pushed to be competitive, uh, unfortunately, um, with society at that time, uh, coming from two educated parents. My, both my parents, my mother and my father, were the first two to graduate high school and the first two to graduate college in their families. So I'm, I'm, I'm a person that comes from that. So uh, I learned more at home than I ever did in school. I remember being going to school on Martin Luther King Day all the time in a suit. And it wasn't a holiday at that time. And all of my fellow white students and black students would always say, why, why do you have a suit on? And uh, a lot of times I couldn't answer other than to say it's Martin Luther King Day. <laughs> you know, that was that's what we did. Um, so that tenacity, um, that 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 foundation that was put in me caused me to be a fighter. And uh, and so I don't think I made it through for any other reason other than I was a fighter. You know, okay. I just wanted to fight and I, I fought the wrong way. And obviously I fought to a level that I lost my life, but I regained my life through the same fight. Okay. I regained my life through the exact same fight. So that that fighting spirit of not wanting to give up, not wanting to uh, not wanting to yield to the circumstances, not wanting to succumb to what is. It's the same thing today. I don't succumb to the whims of society, uh, the dysfunctions of the world. I'm not impressed or excited about anything unless you're doing something that is productive and positive for all people. Yes, sir. So I think it was the fight um, that really, me just wanting to fight. Uh, I, I didn't know that I was able to fight for my life. I just knew I was going to continue to fight until I couldn't fight anymore. And that just took me to the next day. And, and the next day took me to the next day. Uh, uh, it's, it's funny. I was just thinking about this uh, last night. Uh, there's, a, there's a cartoon, an, an animated show called Frosty the Snowman. And uh -huh. many of you may be uh, of the age to remember that during Christmas time, they would play this on TV. And there's a song that, it, that was on the show. And it was like, just put one foot in front of the other. And soon you'll be walking out the door. This is when they first built Frosty the snowman before he started, he didn't know how to walk. But just that story always was paramount in my life that put one foot in front of the other. And that's how I've made it through. Something as simple as an animated cartoon story saved my life. Frosty wow. the snowman. I put one foot in front of the other and I knew that soon I'll be walking out the door. And that was the name of the song. And so I would say, I know that doesn't seem really uh, profound, but it was definitely profound in my life. And I love that story and I love that movie. And I show my kids, I've got six grandchildren now. I've married my wife who's been with me for 38 years. We got divorced and then I remarried her again. I'm either the smartest man or the, or the most ignorant man. We have, a, we have a, the jury still out on that. <laughs> <laughs> now you, def, you, you are definitely not the most, the, the most ignorant man. No, no, uh, no, there's not, there's not, because let me tell you something, you know, because people have a, a stigma attached to those who've been incarcerated. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You know, you, you you would automatically make this assumption based on that this person made a mistake or that this person did something wrong that they have, you know, they're not intelligent. Enough. But I know some of the smartest people in the world are incarcerated, you know, right. and I see 
And, and I've seen so many that have gotten out and that are multimillionaires now. You know, they might exactly. not have got it right the first time. You know, or they might have took a left when they should have made a right. But when they came out the second time and, and they, you know, because... Let, 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 let me just say this for free, and y'all gonna listen. You can put this, and you can you can uh, tweet it, sweat, tell it, whatever you want to do. But hope don't come with an expiration date. That's right. Let, 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 let me say that again, and I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it for those in the back. Hope does not come with an expiration date. Right. But what hope does is hope it presents itself when we are mature enough to present to to uh, to present what hope offers. You see what I'm saying? There are certain things that hope can give us that we're just not ready to do yet. We got to grow into that. We got to mature into that. We got to become that invisible. Because there were certain things that I hoped for in my early 30s, even when I met you, Craig, that I just wasn't mature enough to handle yet. You know what I'm saying? There was some stuff I had to work out, you know, and it took me hitting my rock bottom. I'm going to get in my rock bottom a little bit later, but I brought y'all along tonight to talk about yours. So here we are. I know I don't know how much time you got. When you- yeah, I got a few more minutes, but what you were saying about, you know, hopelessness, hope, hope doesn't have an expiration. It doesn't. And, and, and in the same, there's a dichotomy to that. Okay. Hopelessness doesn't have an expiration either. Yes, you can uh-huh. have, you can know, you, it's, it, That's good. no matter how you start the race, it's how you finish it. And unfortunately, I've seen so many incarcerated people since I've been liberated that have never been incarcerated. Man, you better say it one more time, please. I've seen so many incarcerated people since I've been liberated who have never been incarcerated. Wow. Unpack that for those, unpack that for the uneducated. Tell them what that means. Okay. You know, the the incarceration is a confinement and you can have, you know, a physical confinement, an emotional, mental, psychological, uh, financial, there are all types of confinement. And I've seen that in society, many of us have confined ourselves and compartmentalized ourselves mentally, emotionally, and psychologically, and spiritually. That it's it's that I've never even seen in a state of incarceration or on death row that I've seen people more locked up since I've been free than I ever saw when I didn't have my freedom, and uh, and that I, I could have never imagined that. But once I lost my freedom, it opened up another channel in my mind. And I was able to see things I couldn't see before. You know, people say that that one story, and, I, and I'll try to conclude with this here. Uh, they say, good brother, can you help me? Can you help me? It's like you fall into a particular hole in the world and you can't get out of the hole. And that hole can represent many things, uh, a financial hole, an emotional hole, a domestic hole, and you can't get out. And you see somebody walking on top of the land and you ask them, excuse me can, can you help me can you can you can you send me something that can help me and they say i can send you a prayer i can extend to you a hand and that's not enough because you're deep in a hole and you actually need someone to help you get out and then another person comes along and you ask the same person the same thing and they say i have some information that i can empower you with and you can get yourself out and that's not enough because, like you said, Pastor, your mind is not open at that time. It's not mature enough to be able to utilize that particular tool that they're willing to give you to help you out of your own hole. And then uh-huh. another individual comes along, an individual like myself, an individual like the people listening. And I ask, can you help me? And the person jumped down in the hole with me in the very vile, despicable environment that I'm trying to get out of. 
they jumped down in the hole with me. So now the anger and my ignorance and my immaturity, I'm like, well, I'm not trying to get out. Why did you jump down in this hole with me? And the individual said, I've been down here many times and I know the way out. And wow. I know that that's, that's one of my purposes and one of our purposes we need to have with one another. Sharing the light, that's the reason why I came on the show. Perhaps I could help somebody. Perhaps I can listen and learn and continue to go further in life. All right, I know you gotta go, but let's fast forward right quick. Because mm -hmm. what people don't understand is that Craig self-litigated. Yeah. It wasn't his attorneys that helped get him out. Right. Craig learned Craig learned the right. law. Craig, tell him tell us about that process before you get out of here. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, I realized early on that, you know, uh the system, which I was against the system, I was one of those kind of people. Uh, I knew that there was only four ways out of the institution. And, and I, that was that was very clear. You either go out in a box, you either do all your time, you escape, or you litigate out. That's it. Okay, you can, you can do whatever, but it's one of those four, you're leaving there. So I chose to, if law got me in, maybe law can get me out. Wow. And so I learned the law of the state. I learned all the stuff. <laughs> and even now in, in my employment and my entrepreneurial ventures, you know, I'm very, very strong when it comes to I'm about two things out here. And that's facts and contracts. <laughs> I understand very well how facts and contracts deal. And so uh, I learned the law and I, I did self litigate. And that was a great challenge. But I was able to, to litigate it all the way to 20 years uh, and give it back to them due to technicalities and mistakes that they made. Uh, litigation and incarceration is not about innocence. It's not about guilt. It's about who 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 is able to align the law with the set of facts. And once you learn that, once I knew, I found out how to like good basketball. I mean, marketing is one percent. You shoot a basketball a hundred times, you'll make one. You'll make one shot. So I, I learned law from the masters. I continue to go to court and I continue to lose. I lost so much that I learned the law. I learned from the magistrates and the judges. They taught me, and uh, I I got jobs out here being a paralegal because of my ability to navigate through the system and, and litigate. So, yeah. Wow. Craig, man, I know uh, you got to get back to work. I know you got to get back to work, man. Yeah, uh, I, got, I got to do that. I got, I got to feed these babies. I got six man, grandchildren them babies, now, you know, man, and, the grand, and the grandbabies. And bro, I'm gonna tell you something, man. We, hey, we are friends for life. I never forget that day you walked in the church with yeah. your your man, you. And when you walk in, you look like you had it figured out. You know what I'm saying? You had, you know, you were adjusting, you know, you had a trench coat on, you walked in, and you sat in the I didn't back look like what I've been through. I didn't look nah, like what I've been through. Nah, and, and to this day, nah. I don't. I, I refuse to wear my life on my sleeves. You know, no don't one should it. know. Any, my grandmother should say, no one will know how dumb you are until you open up your mouth. Uh, economy. No one will know how smart you are until you open up your mouth. Your right. behavior is your, the loudest voice you'll ever have. Yes, sir, dog. And you and you and you and you and you and you speak volumes. And when you came that day, you spoke volumes. And you and you even taught me a little bit about a little bit more about being a man. And, I, and I've told you that privately. I've told you that privately, okay. though, that personal situation. But I gotta go, Pastor. I wish I, I'm gonna man. watch the show later. My wife and them. I got my family watching the show. They're gonna continue to watch the show until until it's over. Uh, but I got to go back in here, you know. And uh, I'm I'm training somebody to be a, a leadership position as as we speak now. So. Um, you brothers have a good conversation, man. Keep it going, Pastor. Good brother, you keep it going, man. And I love. I'm gonna. I'm gonna listen later on this evening, and uh, I'll listen to you know what you had to say as well. All right, and we're gonna talk. And we're gonna talk about what you what you wrote me about by doing something. Okay, more with that. no problem. No problem. Okay, man. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, man. Y'all say bye to Craig. Appreciate your right. story, man.
thank you. All right, good brothers. All right. All right. So I got my home world in now. This is probably gonna. Uh, here you go with your echoing again. This is probably gonna be more like a phone conversation because this is my homeboy right here, y'all. This is Scipio A. Brown. Like I told y'all, he was 21 years old in 12th grade when I first met. I was a substitute teacher. He was older than I was. I'm joking. Scipio, you're supposed to laugh. Are you on delay still? I, I think I, I may have been. Uh, about, we were about the same age. <laughs> <laughs> No, we wasn't the same, man. But now, Scipio and I, are, like I said, Scipio, the, those that don't know, uh, Scipio was a young preacher right when I had God had called me to preach, and uh, we kind of connected. He actually, actually uh, introduced me by, de by default. It wasn't on purpose to my ex-wife. So, uh, and uh, and we got, I got three babies by her, so he might be somewhat responsible for my family, y'all. So uh, I, I'm, I'm indebted and appreciative of Scipio. But Scipio is, a, like I said, a friend of mine. And I've, I've known Scipio for 30 years, probably, yeah, almost 25, almost 28, 29 years, on that range. And I've watched Scipio go through some personal uh, battles. And uh, in going through his personal battles, I've watched him handle it. You know, and a lot of times people have put their mouths on him and shared, you know, talked about him and all this kind of stuff. And uh, and I wanted, and when I thought about this whole process of rebounding from rock bottom, I really wanted to bring him on and to pretty much let him tell his own story. Now, um, let me also say this, that when we go through our rock bottom, as we call them, uh, the, the key thing is that we should learn a lesson as we go through it. I don't think, uh, I think everything, my, you know, I, I, I say this quote right here and, and it's, self, it's my own personal quote, but I also, I always say that life constantly lends lessons. It's on us to consider the clues. And if we don't consider the clues then we end up having to repeat the lesson. And I think that everything that we go through is something that we should learn. Listen, those of y'all that are in the chat right now, 22 of y'all in here, 12 of y'all have reacted. Do me a favor, like it, share it. Please share the chat. Please share the chat. Hey, Corey, hey, Corey Myers, how are you? Blessings, lawsuits provide opportunities to learn, grow, and help others. Absolutely. Uh, but please share this. Please share it. Uh, I want because I want some people to be blessed by Scipio's story. God kept him here for a reason, and a whole lot of other people have survived less. But I want to, as, as we go through this lesson tonight or over through this conversation tonight, I want us to consider uh, nine lessons uh, that we can learn at rock bottom. Okay. But before we get to that, I want Scipio, I'm going to give him the floor, and I want Scipio to tell his story. Yeah, hey, everybody in the rock, they got, they got something to say. Scipio is telling his own story right now. You don't have to guess no more. You don't have to guess. Scipio, your floor, the floor is yours, my friend. Well, first of all, thank you, um, uh, James, uh, Dr. Kirkland. Thank you, man, for allowing me to to uh to come on uh this show and i i'm just grateful for the work that you're doing and uh, one thing that uh, you and i we it was a point in time where we used to talk every day and um, i can remember when you was at the church in dalton and uh, we would talk and one of the things that you would uh really stress and emphasize was the, the need to do things uh, with kingdom quality 
And uh, I thank God for just looking at the work that you're doing and uh, how God is using you and, um, and, and how you're still using the same uh, work ethics. And, I appreciate uh, that. That is, you're still exercising uh, kingdom quality. And I just thank you for, for having me um, having me here and I believe that uh, this is a, a subject that's uh, that's personal it's um, it's personal uh, for me um, because I know everybody has their own and one thing about it that and I constantly remind myself of it is that everybody has their own uh, unique story. Everybody has a story. You can meet people from every walk of life and everybody will have a story. And um, let me say this just as a, a disclaimer. Now, one thing about the experiences that I've gone through, I've learned to live life without regrets. That's good. I've learned to live without uh, regrets because everything that I've gone through, the experiences that I've had, have been lessons for me. You know, whether it be good lessons, whether it be bad lessons, they've all been lessons. And I believe it's something that I could I could share um, uh, about this. And I'm glad that you said rebounding, and and not that you have. Uh, made a rebound yes, because God knows I'm still rebounding. Uh, I took some hard, some hard hits, and um, in order for you to to really, really understand my story, you have to just kind of understand where I ca where I came from. You have to understand where I came from. First of all, um, my mom which was, she was, she was my everything. My mom had uh, four daughters. She had four daughters and um, she waited 10 years before she had me. And four daughters, I was the only son. My youngest sister, Vonda, is 10 years, she's 10 years older than I am, okay? So 10 years, it was a 10 year span. So I grew up in the house where my sisters were grown. My mom had, um, you know, children that were graduating from high school and then she had other children that were, <laughs> that were going to uh, me. She had me that was going to kindergarten, you know, and I had grown sisters. Um, so it was, I kind of grew up almost like I was almost like an only child because my mom waited so long. My youngest sister, even though she was in the house until she was in her twenties and she moved off, uh, it was it was like I was the only child. So, of course, uh, we didn't have a whole lot. Um, you know, mom, my mom worked and. Uh, you know, did what she could to make ends meet. Um, I would just say we were blessed. My mom, I really believe she understood the concept of giving 
And as a result of her understanding uh, the concept of giving, we never suffered from lack. And uh, they, I think the only difference between me and a lot of children were, you know, I think about some of my, my cousins, it might have been five of them uh, that were the same age. Oh, I'm sorry, that were all young. All of them were young. My, my youngest sister was 10 years, my youngest sister was 10 years uh, older than me. Now, I had cousins that they were all right there together. That's what I'm trying to say. So whereas my mom maybe only had to buy a bicycle for one child, my aunts had to buy a bicycle for four or five kids. Uh, am I making sense what I'm saying, uh, Kurt? And so, uh, you know, my, my mom had had me had me spoiled. Growing up in, in in school, you know, whatever it was, name brand, I was the kid, you know, when we moved to the hood, I was the one that had the mopeds. I was the one that, you know, even though we were in the hood, you know, I had, you know, she had me spoiled, okay? So, um, you know, as, as uh, you know, time would have it, you know, and in, in, in life happens, you know, we, we grew up. Um, I, I started preaching when I was 17 years old. Got saved when I was 16. Started preaching when I was 17 years old, okay? Found out at an early age that the streets wasn't for me. Okay, ended up getting in some trouble. I said, I'm going to give my life to God. Gave my life to God. At 17 years old, I was preaching. I was called to preach. And at the same time, I was trying to, you know, sneak and live, um, sneak and live, uh, you, you know, that whatever it, it was a teenager do at 16, 17, I had to sneak because I was the preacher man. And the yep, first I thing been, you I know that's is, yep. and you call yourself a preacher. Yep. Yep. You see what I'm saying? So yep. where it was all right for them to go to parties, I couldn't go to parties, so at least I wasn't supposed to. Mm -hmm. You know, it was all right for them to do certain things, but nevertheless, um, you know, I thank God for for my mothers, and, and yes, I was I was a mama boy. I knew who my dad was, but I was I was a mother's boy. Well, I ended up, uh, and actually, it was my second church. Okay, my second church, first church, I organized the church. Second church, I was called to the Saint John Baptist Church um, in Lono. When I was called to Saint John in Lono. That's when things had really started to, to start to happen. I had a job, you know, uh, I had a salary from the church. I was single and, you know, I was the new kid on the block. I thought I could sing and I thought I could preach. And my, my desire, my heart's desire was to be this national preaching figure. You and everybody else. I wanted to be like a Jerry Black man. 
Yeah. I, I wanted, you know, such an anointing on me, man, that when I just preached, you know, folk just fell out, men and women, just everybody just fell out under the anointing. Uh, you know, uh, Bishop Otis Floyd and uh, the Maurice Watsons, all of those guys that I grew up listening to. And I, I wanted to be a national figure. I wanted to travel all over the world and preach, uh, preach the gospel. When, uh, of course, through high school and did all that, pastor uh, St. John Lona was making good money, was doing pretty good. Well, uh, I came up with the, with the, because I was so in love with doing the right thing. I didn't want to just be one of those pastors that were just, uh, you know, just in the church and, you know, just being seen with this girl and that girl and this girl. I wanted to do the family thing. Okay. And uh, so I ended up meeting a young lady. I ended up meeting a young lady. And uh, to make this story as short as possible, we, uh, well, let me say before I got married, my mom. Um, in whom was my everything, my mom. She was my everything, my biggest fan, my support system. She had instilled in me that, you know, she, she used to tell me all the time, she used to say, you know what? You're going to find out after I'm gone that, that you don't have no friends that's going to wow. treat you like I treat you. You're not going to find no friends that do you like I do and do for you like I do for you. My mama was older when she had me. And so a lot of times when these guys would bring their mama, when their mamas would bring them to school and all that, they had a little young mom. And I had an older mom that, you know, come up to. I didn't want my mama to care. And she told me, she said, you keep on watching them and their young parents. And true enough, their young parents ended up on drugs and all of that kind of stuff. But, but mama, mama, uh, while I was at St. John, I was in, engaged to be married. I was engaged to be married. Mama developed cancer. Oh, my. She developed cancer. And it was, uh, it was a very aggressive type cancer. It was, it was very, very aggressive. She found out that she had it. It had to be around March. Had to be around March that she found that she had uh, cancer, and then uh, around April, around April, she had died. Around April. Now, here it is. I'm engaged to be married. I'm engaged to be married because it's the right thing to do. I'm engaged to be married, but my mom was dying. And she died. And without me even, uh, you know, healing from or, or attempting to heal, without me uh, receiving any counseling, and I know that's something that we don't like to talk about, uh, but w without me doing any healing or, or anything like that, I just, I just went on and I, my, 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 Goal at that time was just to get on with my life. To get on with my life. Let, 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 let me let me let me get you to make a pause right there if you don't mind. Put a pin uh -huh. right there for a second. And and you said something that's true that a lot of us in our community don't like to go through therapy because and, and a lot of us don't think. You know what I've learned, Doc? A lot of us 
instead of healing, we'd rather amputate. Exactly. Yeah, we, we instead of healing, you know, and going and doing the work, getting the counseling, uh, going through the process of healing, we'll amputate. And like you said, you 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 said it. You didn't go for your healing, but you broke away and you tried to go ahead and continue life. But go ahead with your story, if you will. Well, and then because what I did, I ended up taking that hurt. Okay. I ended up taking that hurt and what it is I was feeling and what I was dealing with, that hurt that I was dealing with, I ended up bringing that into the marriage. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, that trickled over into the marriage. And so now you got this spirit of depression that was resting upon me. Now, mind you, know, mind you, I could camouflage it for a while. The, the depression was there, but I could camouflage it as long as, you know, I, I could take trips. Mm. I could cam camouflage mm. it as long as, you know, my wife, had, you know, at the time, I could go out and I could buy things. You know, I could camouflage it with, you know, buying, buying cars, you know, with buying new vehicles, with buying clothes, with, with all of this stuff. But but deep down inside, I was really hurt. I was really wounded. Wow. So so would you say would you say that was your first rock bottom when your when your mother passed away? I would say that was that was the big gulp. Okay. That was the big gulp for me. That was the big gulp because again, my mom, she was my everything. She was the glue to, to my family. She held our family together. And I never, I never truly did good after that. And yeah. that depression didn't get better. It got worse. Wow. And so, you know, I had, uh, I had, I would have seasonal depression where, you know, everybody else would be happy around Christmas time and around holidays and stuff like that because they were gonna go spend time with their parents and people were gonna be around their family and, and all this kind of stuff. And me, I felt like I didn't have anybody. Mm. Jesus. You Jesus. know, I, 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 yeah, I was trying to work on, you know, starting my own family and and all of this stuff, but, but she was the glue that held everything together and things was just not, it was just not the same. And, and, and for me, that was the lowest of the low. I was so literally so low from, from, from losing, losing my mom. And I, I just didn't know, I just didn't understand why, you know, I didn't understand why she had to go, you know, and it was that I never felt. It was a hurt that I never felt before. I don't wish that pain on anybody. Hey, listen, everybody, please, ma'am, please, sir, share this stream right now. And it's, it's not to put Scipio on blast. It's not, uh, I mean, Scipio wanted to tell his story, and, and I told Scipio a long time, what, what did I tell you, Scipio? If you commit suicide, can't nobody kill you, right? And, and not that he's trying to die or anything of the sort, but he, it's clarity. And listen, and if you listen, don't, don't just listen to what a person says. 
But listen through what they said. Now he he said his mother contracted a, in a very aggressive form of cancer. Cancer took her by, took her life. He was engaged. Can you stop right there for just a minute? Sure. It didn't sure just sure. you know I said that you know it and it did move rapidly, but I literally watched her deteriorate. I watched my mom, a person that took care of me, that, that I mean, would do for me when nobody else would. She would literally, I seen her throw up her bow in a container, and I would have to take that container and wash that container out before she passed. I watched her deteriorate the skin and bone. Yeah, Patricia Morland said hitting rock bottom and not dealing with it hurts. And not only and and and, and let's 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 say this and sit you up. You tell me if I'm wrong because this is your story. I'm narrating. But do hurt people have a tendency of hurting other people? Definitely. Okay. And he took he took that hurt into another into a marriage, raised a family, all of those things. So if the if the substructure, if the foundation is infected then it keeps it from becoming as strong as it could potentially become and as well as he was functioning like he said he said he could camouflage his depression by buying a nice car or wearing a buying a nice suit or, and i know i know where you found most of your solace that it was in preaching it, it mean, was in it was in preaching preaching it, probably it, kept you alive listen that was the one thing that that just kept me going the fact that when I got in the pulpit, I mean, it just, I, you know, it it just, it would free me from everything that that I was, you know, that I was that I was thinking about, at, you know, everything I was dealing with. It was uh, the only time where it could just, you know, I could just focus on me and God. Nothing and nobody else mattered. Wow. Wow. So we're, we're, tonight we're talking about. Um, uh, rebounding, keyword emphasis, ing, rebounding. Not that we've rebounded because it's a process. Uh, Scipio is uh, 40, what, 48, 47? 47, be 48 in March. Yeah. He's 47, and, and, and he's been dealing with this for years. And in, uh, and, and so when people, like I said, he's uh, he's had some issues in his life, but now understanding that you, that, like you said, he wanted to tell his story. His, his, he watched his mother deteriorate, never healed from it, went into a marriage, passed to the people, did all of these things from a, a, a foundation of hurt, a foundation of pain, uh, not and, and by his own words, not ever having gone through the process of healing. And I, and, uh, that, uh, and I can relate on so many levels. Go ahead, finish, go ahead and tell some more of your story, though, my friend. Well, and then uh, let me, okay, so of course, I started, you know, uh, you know, going to the doctors, you know, and uh, if you tell a doctor that that you're depressed, you know, if you tell a doctor that you're you're depressed and you know you're you're uh, having anxiety and you know all of these feelings, well, the first thing that they are doing, the first thing, and I like what uh, Brother Carlos says, he says, bleeding while leading. Exactly. Yes, yes, Amen. Sir. He nailed it right there. Yes, sir. That's listen, good, Carlos. Listen, I, I went to the doctors, and the doctors 
um, began to give me medication. They gave me medication. I was taking every kind of PAM you can name. I was taking, you know, lorazepam, cetylopram, every kind of pram you can, you can, and, but it wasn't just that. I started uh, self-medicating. Okay. I started self-medicating and I got into to self-medicate because I, I went through a period where I had, I started burying, you know, because I was pastoring this church my mom had died right after right before my mom died i had buried my grandfather i buried my cousin and then i turned around and buried my mother every every saturday i I had a funeral that i was preaching at saint john baptist church every saturday i had and it got so bad that i was i was doing two funerals Per, per Saturday. That's how bad it got. I got to the point to where I just got like the, the blues, uh, like B.B. King's. It just didn't hurt no more. I was numb to it. And I started self-medicating, started self-medicating. Start, but it was still manageable at the time. At least how did you, you self-medicate if you don't mind me, if you don't mind me asking? How did you self-medicate? Well, uh, again, the, the doctor had me taking all of these pounds and all this kind of stuff. And so uh, drinking became my best friend. Okay. You know, drinking just became a buddy of mine. It became a close companion of mine. You know. Can, let, can, can, I, say, can I say something real quick? And I, I'm not going to cut you off, but I, I, want, I want to say something for the listener. I want to say something. Because what happens so many times is we especially as African-American people that go to church, church folk, we want to put a cape on the preacher, okay? We want to treat him like he's Superman, like he doesn't hurt, like he does, like he can't go through personal problems, like he's not, uh, like he doesn't get wounded. You know what was ironic? When Jesus came back after his, after the ascension, uh, you know, in, in, in time, you know, he wasn't there in, in body, but he was there in spirit. When old Thomas said, Except I see the nails in his hands and I see the rivets in his side, I won't believe. So when he showed him, when he revealed himself, the first thing he did was he walked up to Thomas, showed him his hand, showed him his side, right? Because that was emblematical of him showing him his wounds. In other words, I'm, I'm human. I was human. I went through that, all that. And so I think sometimes as preachers, as pastors, uh, I think it becomes necessary that we show people our wounds. I think we put ourselves on a pedestal so much or people, we've allowed people to put us on pedestals. And so when we do make our mistakes and when we do mess up, then the fall is so far. You know what I'm saying? It's not uh, because they because they put us on such a pedestal. You, you, tonight, you're showing people your wounds, my friend. And people can relate. You said, you self-medicated, you drink. Uh, Patricia said the same thing. I self-medicated. I did it with liquor. What makes what's the difference? We both, if we cut both of us, we bleed. We both go to bed at night. We go through all these different things. And so you're human, man. And like I said, I commend you tonight, uh, Kanika. I know I'm gonna let him tell a story. I know Kanika said let him talk, but uh, I feel her in the spirit saying that. But um, but you're showing people your wounds, man. I appreciate it. But go ahead and come. Go ahead and go a little bit farther, of course, if you will. Okay, so. 
let me. So um, I was burying people uh, left and right. Uh, still, still, you know, hurting. Still, you know, with with my ex, just trying to make things, um, you know, work. Well, I ended up getting, um, I ended up getting uh, a position at another church, and uh, you know, of course, things were seemed like it was kind of getting back on the right track, and I mean, the church was doing extremely well. Um, it, you know, it was it was growing. You know, um, uh, things were you know were, were were you know going you know were going decent. But I you know was having some problems. You know, some some marital problems. Uh, you know, like anybody, uh, like anybody uh, does. I, I can't say that I always you know handled them the right way. Um, I think that's a part of maturity is being able to to uh, be able to admit the fact that there have been some situations that I could have handled uh, a whole lot different but that's neither here nor there ended up getting another church I was doing extremely well there I had hit rock bottom um, you know but um, at this particular time now things had started to grow at such and I'm gonna show you how how God literally showed me this lesson, how your gifts and your talents will carry you places that your character won't keep you. And I learned that from firsthand. Your gifts and your talents will carry you places that your character won't keep you. Somebody put that in the chat. Somebody type that out for me. Your gifts, say it one more time, please, sir. Your gifts and your talents will carry you places that your character won't keep you. Wow. And see, that's what that's what happened to me. I was I was in a situation was you know was preaching real good. God was sending us people. He was sending us men and this and that. And um, I can I can honestly look back on it now and say you know God. Literally, he he literally just threw me a crumb. Now I ain't talking about a slice of bread. He he didn't just throw me, uh, you know, the, the slice of bread. He didn't throw me the whole loaf. He just gave me a crumb to see how I was going, how I was going deal with it. And I'm gonna be honest with you, Kurt. I'm gonna be honest with you. I was able to bring preachers in. From wherever I wanted to bring them in from across the United States, I was paying the preachers good money, paying them good just so they, that they can say, Brown, man, Brown, man, he pays good. You know, that's, you know, the kind of stuff that was driving me. And, and, and I honestly started to feel like it was it was about it was about me. It was about wow. me. I started to feel like, you know, before before I came here, it wasn't hardly nobody in this church. Now the church is full. Before I came here, this church wasn't raising that much money. Now look at, you know, how they doing. You know, look at all the money that they taking in now. You know, and uh, again, your gifts and talents, you know, will carry you places that your character won't keep you. Um, 
Now, now keep in mind the self-medication, medicating is still going on. Because whenever I had problems, that's that's uh, how I spelled relief. Wow. Okay. The, that that was my outlet. You know, I was at the point where literally I could travel anywhere I wanted to go. It, you know, it, you know, money was. At that time, it, it was no option, you know, for, for my little lifestyle. It was no option. I mean, it was, you know, it, it, I, you know, I just, you know, I felt like that. But then, meanwhile, the, the home was suffering. The home, the home was suffering. Meanwhile, home was suffering. Make a long story short, I ended up, it got so bad that I went through a divorce. And, and this is the tripped out thing. The church didn't get upset with me about the divorce. They, wow. they never raised no cane with me about the divorce. They never raised any cane with me about, about me going through that. They didn't, it, listen, the only thing they got upset about was the fact that I wasn't showing up at church. Because at that time, I had became sick, Jamie. I got sick. And literally, it was to the point now where depression had took over my life. Depression was controlling my life. It was, and this comes to what we said earlier about how hurting people hurt, hurt people. Because all they were wanting, they wanted to, Look, Pastor, we know you got problems, but we just want you to come and do your job. Just do what you and And I was to the point to where literally, literally, when I went to church, when I went to church, I could walk in the sanctuary and literally get sick to my stomach. It was embarrassing to me to sit in the pulpit and be thinking while I'm sitting sitting in the pulpit, where can I where can I throw up at? Because it made me that sick to my stomach. Wow. And 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 my ideology at that time, my sick way of thinking was, um, why can't they feel what I'm or understand what I'm feeling right now? Jeez. Mm. I'm hurting right now, and y'all want me to still perform, you know, at maximum capacity, and I'm going through something. I'm tired of telling folk right now, and I went through this, I was to the point where I'm tired of telling folk it's going to be all right, and I need somebody to tell me it's going to be all right. I went through, I went, I went through, and, and to just sit in my house, because I ended up, I, I, you know, my ex-wife, she left the house. You know, her and my kids, they left the house. I ended up with the house. And to go from a family environment to an environment where I'm in this house by myself, no longer have the children's energy to walk, you know, to, to running through the house anymore. And I'm stuck in that house by myself. And all I got to do is just sit there and think. Right. So I'm hey. feeling like I got a church that don't care. I got family that don't love me. Mm. Hmm? Yeah. I, hey, I, I've been there. That silence, that silence sounds like noise, did not it? Yes. 
Yeah. And it was a noise like like no other, man. I mean, it was, man, it was, I mean, when I say it was literally, it was literally rock, it was rock bottom. I, at that point, I was, I was feeling like I was, I was low. I was extremely, I was extremely low because no one. And the thing about it is, the people that tried to talk to me, that were pastors. I can remember Pastor Jenkins trying to talk to me. I can remember members of the church trying to talk to me and different things like that. But I was so hurt. I was so, I was just so, and, and I was so bullheaded during the time because, you know, Satan, Satan have you blind. I, I was so, you know, because I felt like no one understood what I was going through. I felt like I was, I was, I was dead, but I was still alive. Jeez. Mm. Medicaid. I can't count the times I went, you know, had to go to the hospital. It was to the point where literally when mixing the alcohol with the pills, it was, you know, sending my body into into seizures. I was having seizures and woke when I would wake up, I would be in the hospital, wouldn't even know where I was. You know, different things like that. Driving my car and pass out while I'm driving. I mean, literally, I felt and 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 here it is. I mean, divorce ended up losing my church. End up losing my church. At that time, I had put everything on the line for the sake of ministry. I had put everything, all of my eggs in one basket. Wow. I didn't have no plan B. I didn't have nothing else to fall back on. Okay? Hadn't worked a secular job in five or six years. All of my dreams, everything was right there, and I lost that. And who was going to want to take me in? Because I went through a messy divorce, man. I went through, my divorce was, 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 man, when I said it was messy, it was messy. I was the laughing stock of barber shops, beauty, beauty shops, uh, all over the country. I was tearing up Facebook. Uh, folk were, listen, I was, my name was a household item. Folk were talking about me and they like. So what was I going to get another church? Who was going to give me another chance? Don't care how good you preach. Who was going to give me another opportunity? Brand new vehicle. I watched them tow my vehicle off. Got repossessed. Didn't have no church. Didn't have no money. My house, I held on to it for a little while. Was able to hold. Ended up having a. Uh, got my, my house foreclosed on. I'm talking about rock bottom now. But you never but you never got off the rock bottom. You you on rock bottom with your mother. Cause you didn't I, I cause never, you, I cause never, you never healed. Off rock bottom with cause you mother. never healed. And the divorce just literally I mean that that just added I mean that just added even more fuel to the fire. A divorce, the divorce was like a death. Losing my children. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, 
you know, uh, children can be casualties of war in a divorce. And so, you know, when you're used to seeing your kids every day and now, you know, you got to talk to somebody else just to be able to see your kids. Wow. And that, and that, you know, it's so easy to live to, narr to to narrate somebody else's story, especially when you don't operate from a place of compassion, right? So all you see is the drinking. So all you then all of a sudden you want to call somebody out alcoholic or all this, but you don't see the sickness, or you don't understand the why. Why am I drinking? You know what I mean? What am I? escaping you know because sometimes you run from things sometimes you run to things right but you know but but either way you're trying to get away from something right and you're trying to get away from mama past i never really got up from that you know a minute ago you talked about the church gave you uh the camouflage of success you know what i'm saying because you could do certain things you know john you re you responded that paying pre paying will don't don't uh don't save souls. That was I don't think that was what, it, what he was trying to say at all. But during that time, that was something as a pastor that you know we we all mature and super spiritual now. I get it, but we but sometimes we weren't. And uh and, and but we we have the uh the remnants of those things. That we wear the robe or the uh, 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 no, we want to look the part because we want a good name. Because guess what? If I bring this cat in and I pay him well, guess what he might do? He might mess around and bring me to him. And he'll pay me well and all those things. So I get it. But but even when you got out of the limelight, you had to go home. But teach me the point that you want to get on and give it to me. Because I, sure, I, I, I don't use it this much. I just don't. Uh, but uh, uh, but uh, if uh, if you uh, you have to go home and deal with the man in the mirror. <laughs> After you put this image out in front of everybody else, then you had to go home and deal with the man in the mirror. And if you didn't like what you saw, you self-medicated. And I hated who I saw. Okay. I mean, I hated what I had become. I hated waking up every day just being sick. And then, you know, and, and literally I was just sick. I I saw something that Sister Connie put, put out there, and she says, uh, when the devil can't, uh, take you out, he'll try to wear you out when he can't take you out here. And he wore me out. Wow. Literally. Gotcha. I was I was at my wits end. I was at my wits end. There were people yes, that, were, were, that were trying to come into my life, but they were, and when I say that, because, you know, when I went through the divorce, I, it was, you know, a uh, couple years, sometime in between there, and there were, you know, some women that were trying to come into the picture, but they were wanting to come in for the wrong reason. They saw the way the ex had, you know, was living, and how, you know, they saw what looked like, you know, was a good lifestyle for them, or what could have been a good lifestyle for them, you know, and the thing about it, I was the man. I was at the breaking point. I had law was losing everything, including my mind. Jeez, jeez. And let me let me ask y'all in the chat right quick. Let me ask y'all in the chat as uh, Pastor Pastor Stipio, uh gets his uh, uh continues to get his thoughts together for the rest of his story. 
I asked a question on Facebook today, and I wanted to get your uh, opinion of uh, uh, John. I, I, I got you now. I, I got what you're saying. I got what you're saying. Do you all think that uh, you can hit rock bottom more than one time? Not, I'm not asking you, Steph. I'm asking them. Because, I mean, earlier, you know, we, we talked about, you know, you, that we thought, John, Tippio, me and you talked about how we thought you might have hit it. But listening to your story, it seems like you kind of dwelled on bottom. You didn't really come out with rock bottom. You know what I'm saying? And then you kind of, you know, because to me, if you hit bottom and there's a lower place, did you really hit bottom last time? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, if, if I jump in the three-foot pool, and I hit the bottom, but then I jump in a 10-foot pool, and I hit the bottom of that pool, it's just another bottom, right? So did you really ever hit rock bottom? You know what I'm saying? And so I'm asking you, the question to you is, mama passed, divorce came, you know, where was bottom at? You know what I'm saying? And, and go ahead, but go ahead and continue, I'm sorry. I'm just, just kind of putting that thought out there. Okay. so. Uh, so as, as I move time for the sake of time, let me let me let me fast forward this a little bit. So I meet Miss Wonder. Okay, I meet Miss Wonder. You know, about two years uh, after I had divorce, um, I meet Miss Wonder, and um, Wonder was was um, she wasn't into the material things. She was spiritual. She, uh, you know, she was she was different. She was way different than, you know, just, uh, you know, what I, you know, had been encountering and what I had, uh, you know, had uh, had seen uh, during this uh, during the, my time of divorce. She was she was just different, you know. I felt like she, you know, wasn't uh, out for just, you know, simply what she could. Uh, what she could get out of the relationship. She wasn't just in it for what she could get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, she came in and 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 it was it was a ministry, man. It was a ministry because when she and I got together, man. When I say I was I was sick, I was literally literally sick. Okay, I didn't know what was going on. I felt like. Um, you know, I, I just I didn't know what was going on with me. There were times when literally I I felt I went to the doctor and I never forget this. The doctor told me, he said, um, he said, Are you suicidal? He Ooh. asked me, was I suicidal? And I told him, I said, No. I said, I don't feel like I'm suicidal, but if I didn't wake up in the morning, it wouldn't bother me. Wow. I felt I really felt like it would have been a joy. Well, Matt Wanda, again, you know, and, and, and you got to know Wanda to, to really appreciate this and understand this, because there's no way she was gonna let me even be around her and here I was self medicating. So it had to be a God thing with that, because I mean she couldn't stand to be in the present and to even allow because that's how sick I was. I was sick. I was sick, man. Started getting better over time. Started getting better. Trying to make way. Trying to make lead way. Trying to get back up. Ended up getting in another situation. I'm getting ready to come up out the rock bottom. But I, I got to, I got to tell you the, the nail that 
that, that, that drew that, that drove in the coffin. Okay, uh, one day I got married, I, I had in the mindset I'm getting ready to change some things, I'm getting ready, but getting still, uh, it, it was a process. The deliverance was a process, you know. Um, I ended up a few years later, ended up getting in a situation, ended up getting in a situation um, where I got in a situation where um, me and a, and a gentleman uh, ended up having an altercation. I ended up using using a weapon um, because, and it was in self-defense, uh, spent 10 months, 10 months of our marriage. Um, I was, was in jail. They charged me with um, attempted murder, wow. terroristic act, you wow. know, all of that. You want to talk about rock bottom. Rock bottom is when you, you, you have to, uh, when you, you're in an environment where you've got a guard there. And you got to take off all your clothes in front of a man that you don't even know, man or woman, a person that you don't even know, bend over while they're looking at you and then cough. Jesus. Rock bottom is when you're sitting in, 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 in a cell and you're smelling so bad to yourself that you just wish you had just, just a clean change of clothes. Jesus. I ate so many Raymond noodles. I, I don't even want to see. It, it just gives me chills to, to see Raymond noodles now. In a county, I was in a county that it was it was unheard of, uh, you know, for for a person. Listen, I had a, I had an all white jury. I was a, a, a black man in 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 a county with an all white jury. They were offering me 25 years. Never let off for 25 years. 25 years. Wow. 25 years. Okay? 25 years. 25. Now, yet and still, uh, I'm in, I'm praying every day, I'm, I'm, I'm asking God, you know, God, this is rock bottom for me. God, you know, it's, this is the worst People that I thought would be there for me were not there. People that I thought I could depend on was not there for me. I mean, you know, listen, people that I had did things for, you know, and I know I shouldn't have been uh, doing things with expectations of them reciprocating the gifts back or the things back that I, I had done for them. But you find out who your real people are. When you going through something, I found out who, who who my real my real people were. I found I found out. Ended up going to court, going to court, and I can I you know I could take that into a long story, but to make a long story short, something that they said that couldn't be done, I ended up God, Amen ended up acquitting me of all of the charges, setting me free in my rightful place. Okay? Set me free. God spared, he spared me from that situation. 
bought me out of that situation. He bought me out the fiery furnace and I didn't even have the smell of smoke in my clothes. He bought me out of that situation. I knew it was nobody but God. But you know what, Kirk? Even though he bought me out, I still had the audacity to be trying to hold on and wrestle with this. You know, sometimes we can be down so long, we we find comfort in it. Hmm? Blasted hopes and shattered dreams become our daily companions. You know, and, and so even though God brought me out of that situation, deliverance hadn't happened yet. I, I'm getting to the point now, I, and, and, and it's only been a couple of years, you know, since, you know, God, he delivered me from alcohol. I haven't been dealing with any depression. Most of all, can I tell you something? He, he delivered me from people. Mm. And one of the best deliverances I could have ever had was to be delivered from people. Once I got delivered from people, everything, nothing else mattered to me. Wow. See, but it's good, man. So my thing is this right here. Folk might as well forgive me because, you know, God had already forgave me. And I, I'm moving on. I forgave me. If nobody else forgave me, listen, I hurt some people, man. Kurt, I hurt some people. I got, I got some, with my, my kids, you know, I got a relationship with them that, that only God can restore. Mm. I Jesus. had some church members, man, that believed in me. I had some folk that believed in my ministry mm. and what God can do. And, and I may not never have that again. But God has given me, and more important than that, Kurt, I done forgave myself, man. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to turn it over to you. I'm going to say this, because the last gentleman that was on there, he talked about uh, Frosty the Snowman, how he was like Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> and that, and that, I, man, that analogy was awesome. And I would just think about what could I compare myself to. And I would say, you know, it wouldn't be Frosty the Snowman. Mine would be more like Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. But can I tell you what the master did for me? The king came. He picked me up. The king <laughs> turned me around. Place my feet on a solid ground. I've been through too much. I've been, I've seen too many things. It ain't nothing you can say about me that ain't already been said. Ain't nothing you can do to me <laughs> that ain't already been done, brother. I done been to hell and back. And you was talking about hitting rock bottom. Yeah, there are levels to the rock bottom. Yes, sir. <laughs> See, just like there are levels to hell. You know that, you know, you, you got hell, but then you got Shalom, which is the lowest part of the... <laughs> Listen, I was in Shalom, bro. Help yourself you understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir, <laughs> You're blessing me, boy. I'm not, not all I could be, mm. not all I should be, but when I look back over my life, I ain't nothing like I used to be. Bruh. 
Listen, hey, everybody in the chat, listen, this is his story, telling it his way, and if you don't understand it like that, then, man, you know what, y'all can take whatever size shoe you wear and kick rocks for real as far as you can. I hope you break your toe when you do it for real, brother. You tell you, brother, you told it. And the thing is, this is the thing, this is the thing, and what people can learn from this is, is that we as African-American people, we don't like therapy. We don't go through healing like we're supposed to. And rather than heal, most of the times what we end up doing is we amputate. We cut it off. We leave the marriage. We leave whatever. Instead of staying in and trying to fix it or trying to whatever the relationship is, whatever, we amputate. And last thing we want to do is be walking around with half limbs, limping, because we didn't take the time to heal and go through the actual, uh, what's it called, physical therapy that's necessary. So, uh, Sip, it's, uh, we, it's, we've been on here for a minute. Can you give me about 15 more minutes? You got, you got, you got that long? You got to go. I ain't going nowhere. All right, cool. Listen, so what I'm, because we, we got a good, we got a good, uh, yeah, one, one, I'm echoing through your phone still, Sipio, for some reason. So when I talk, I'm going to do this. I'm going to mute you while I talk. No. Uh, let's see, can we do it now? Is it better? Still echoing a little bit. But uh, but uh, we're gonna yeah we're gonna have to work with the echo tonight. I'm sorry, because uh, we he's at the school and uh, I just I, I need I needed this. Y'all 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 put some great quotes in the uh, E. Plachette Murphy. You're saying some good stuff, Nikki uh, Jenkins. That's your sister. I know you know that. You're saying some good stuff. Uh, dealing is healing. She just said that Carlos Wallace has said some good stuff. Listen, those uh, but it's it's some things that we need to learn. I thought I was gonna get a chance to talk about my rock bottom, but I ain't even got a chance to talk about mine tonight. I'm gonna have to do that another time. But uh, <laughs> but, uh but uh nah this this Craig and Scipio have blessed me. Can I ask you a question, bro? Mm-hmm. Do you think rock bottom was necessary for you? I think it was necessary. I think I think had I not gone through rock bottom, you know, it, it took God allowing things to die in my life that people and the world might know the resurrection power. I think I think that God allowed me to go through those things because a lot of folks say that you know they they counted me out, brother. They say he dead. Ain't no way he can make through make it through this. But see, when they look at me right now, they know. Listen. I don't know who Scipio, you know, who, who, but whoever his God is, he has resurrection power. You understand what I'm saying? It might look like it's dead, but God got the power to bring it back to life again. I mean, he given me back my joy, has given me my joy. I got, I got peace of mind. Listen, don't have everything that I want, but I thank God I got everything that I need. And Boy, I am a good. living witness. Amen. When you look at me, you just all you're looking at is just a testimony. Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a and not a dead testimony, but I'm a living testimony of what God can do. Matter of fact, if you haven't seen a miracle, then you can just zoom in right now because you're looking at a miracle. Let me I shouldn't you be in. here right now, man. I shouldn't be here. All the times I played with my life, mixing stuff, 
together and putting all these this different chemicals in my body and all that kind of stuff. It's no way I was supposed to live through all of that. Falling down, bumping my head and you know, getting, you know, a mild all that kind of stuff. Listen, it's no way God allowed me to live through what killed other folks. Mm. That's good. So, so your testimony was, I mean, your, your rock bottom was, and that, that's what I want to tell somebody in the chat. Your, your rock bottom, whether it was financial, your divorce, uh, you know, whatever it was, emotional, uh, it was necessary. And if it didn't kill you, it is, it is, it is amazing in the Bible. Jesus walked on what made up what other people drowned in. And certain things in life, God allows you to walk on and others are drowning. It's the grace of God that's on your life, man. Grace was on your life at 16, 17 years old. And grace was on your life at 27 years old. Grace was on your life at 37 years old. And it's still on your life at 47 years old. And I love the fact that God is setting you up for a comeback, bro. I mean, a major comeback. And it's and it's, it's contagious, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, a few years ago when I went through my divorce, that was literally rock bottom for me. I, I mean, I tell people, people don't know my story. I, I, uh, when I when I moved out of my house and moved in my apartment, I moved in on a Sunday and got fired on Monday. I moved in a brand new apartment on a Sunday after being in a marriage for eight, 17, 18 years and got fired from my job on a Monday. I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't had a real job since then. But the grace of God, I, pay, I promise you, I paid every bill and I paid every child support pay, payment. And everything else is, uh, is, is, is hey, that's God, bro. And that's, that's the thing about it. And, uh, and I think, and, but the thing that we need to do more than anything is uh, we need to make sure that uh, that we learn lessons uh, while we're down. You know what I'm saying? As we go through, as we go through, uh, as we go through our little, uh, Sip, I had to put you on mute for a second. I'm going to bring you back in a second because I can hear you back here in the background. Uh, but uh, there are nine life lessons, and I'm going to do these nine life lessons, and then we're going to get out of here. And sit me and you, you, you can look at them too. But I found an article about a brother who had gone through some major rock bottom situations, and he shared nine of his life lessons. The first lesson he shared is that positivity and silver linings will literally, will literally, will literally save your life. Sip, as you were going through some of your stuff, what were some of your positivity and silver, silver linings for you? Repeat that question again. What, as as while you were going through your rock bottom, what positive thing that, and silver lining did you keep at the forefront of your mind that kept you alive? What kept me alive, I just constantly remember, and I had to remind myself. I had, I had to... I had to really bathe myself and saturate myself in in the word of God. And I kept reading where the scripture says when it was talking about David, it, it talked about how David encouraged himself in the Lord. Yes, sir. And so sometimes we have to learn how to do self-talk. Okay. Um, I, would, I would tell myself that if God allowed me to come to this, he's able to bring me through this. Okay. If, if he brought me to this, allowed me to come to this, he's able to bring bring me through this. And that's, that was, uh, has always been a silver uh, lining for me. And that, you know, that is that no matter what we're up against, I mean, it, 
it's man's extremities. That's God's opportunity. God is able regardless of what we're going through. That's good. That's good. And uh, the next one you said you can relate to, you've already addressed this one. You said you learn who will be there for you when you have nothing. Oh, uh, yeah. you, you learned that one. You learned that. Oh, yeah. The next, next one was sometimes things happen, but how you respond to them determine who you become. That's right. That's right. Because what we got to realize is that uh, what God is doing, it's, it's all... You know, it's all, nothing takes God by surprise. Okay. Uh, we may not understand. We might not know why, why we're going through what we're doing. But what God is doing, he's taking the good and he's taking the bad. The Bible says that all things are working together for mm. our good. So everything in the midst of what we're going through it's God is using our circumstances and our situations. He's working them out for our good and, and for his glory. Yes, sir. We can't see it, but it's working out for our good and it's working out for his glory. You know, That's and cool. so 99% uh, of it is, is going to be how you respond to it. Okay? The, the, yeah. A good example of that would be uh, the three Hebrew boys, the three Hebrew boys, uh, you know, they they went into uh, the, the, the hot fire furnace. They went into the hot fire furnace. But now it was the, the way that they went in. They went in praying. They went in trusting God. And so God bought, bought them out with a mighty hand. It's mm. how you go into your storm that, or your situation that will determine how you come out of your situation. And it'll determine who you become. God is making you, man. He's making us. He's making me. We all work in progress. Yes, sir. Progress. Yes, sir. Um, here's another one, y'all, the people in the chat. Here we go. Even good people, here it is. Even good people make mistakes, but they always learn from their mistakes. I'm going to say that one more time. Even good people make mistakes but they always learn from their mistakes. Do you agree with that, Sip? I agree with it. Um, uh, we, we all sin. We all come short uh, of the glory of God. I mean, it says, again, uh, good people make mistakes, but they always learn from them. I, have, I live my life with no regrets. Everything, everything has been a lesson. Mm. Well, you are blessing some people tonight. You, you just don't realize you how many people you're blessing tonight. Hold on, my my computer's about to get the devil and trying to uh, go out. Let me uh, where's my cord at? Uh, there it is. Y'all, excuse me, technical difficulties. All right, I got it. I'm saving. All right, so the next one is the truth. The truth will set your soul free. Brother, tonight you have shared your truth. If you don't feel if you and I know you felt free before now, you know, but tonight you've done it. You've done it. I don't know how you feel. I don't know if you feel like a weight has been lifted off of you, but if you don't if it don't feel like one's been lifted off of you, I promise you you've liberated some people tonight in the chat. And anybody in the chat, if you've been blessed by his testimony tonight, 
just a just a let me put a heart emoji in right quick. Everybody in the chat that's been been blessed by Pastor Brown, uh, show him some love. Everybody put a heart, put a heart in the uh, in the chat for me right quick. Here's another one, Seth. Learning to love yourself is the root of all healing. When did you learn to love yourself? You know what? Um, again, it was two two years ago, over two years ago, when um, I was delivered from alcohol. No depression, been delivered from depression, anxiety, all of that. I don't I don't need to take medicine um, for that stuff now. I began to look in the mirror and. Uh, as the Lord, you know, had had began this this work in me, and as I began to walk in that deliverance, and I began to see what God was doing in my life, I I, I just when I looked in the mirror, I said, you know what, you 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 all right, you've been through some stuff, you got a few scars, but you all right, you all right with me. Wow. <laughs> That's you good. understand what I'm saying? Yes, Listen, bro. I, I, it was a point when I hated to look in the mirror. I hated to look in the mirror. I, if I looked in the mirror, I I, I would see, um, you know, I got a scar right here, or you know, whatever insecurities I had, I got a chip right here. Yeah. You know, but can I tell you something? Crooked smile, chip tooth, and all. I love me some me, cause can't <laughs> nobody beat me loving me. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. I love me. Yeah. Because if I don't love me, I can't love nobody else. Doc, I I can so relate to that testimony about not liking to look in the mirror for years. I didn't look in the mirror. I didn't have to look in the mirror. I knew where my teeth were so I could brush them. I know where every crevice in my eyes is so I can get the matter out of my eyes with my ties. I can walk around the house doing that. I could tie my tie riding down the street. I knew how to do all those. So for those years, I didn't have to look in the mirror, right? And when I didn't look in the mirror, when other people were telling me what they saw, I didn't believe them because I didn't see the same thing because I didn't look in the mirror. Does that make sense? I didn't see, hold on, I got to get you back in here. I didn't see the same thing, and I could debate them. And it was a stupid debate. It was an argument that had no basis because they're looking right at me. They could say, James, that's all. James, that's messed up. James, that's not right. But because I wasn't man enough or responsible enough to look in the mirror, and it took me sitting at home after a divorce, being stuck on this couch, stuck. Depressed, as you said, or stuck on the couch. You know, silence is noise now. Family's gone. I'm all by myself. I'm at my rock bottom now, right? At straight rock bottom. But I had to learn to love myself. Now, Equal Shet Mercy said she questioned uh, the last point. She said because she said, "Question: Do we always learn from mistakes?" Now, y'all can answer that in chat. Do we always learn? Sometimes we don't learn from mistakes, but. Miss Murphy, I think it's hard to move on. Uh, it's impossible to move on until you've learned from that mistake. What, what, would you address that question, uh, Sip? Well, I will say this right here, that uh, the first time you do it, it's a mistake. Um, you, If you continue to do it, it moves from being a mistake to a choice. Okay. You see what I'm saying? 
So it's not that you, you, you know, you just making, you know, you accidentally doing something. You've made a, uh, you've made a choice to do that. And since you've made a choice to do that, that's the reason why you will continue to repeat it. Mm. Okay. If you don't, if you don't like oh, it, you're going to continue to repeat it. Until you learn it. Until you learn in school, if they give me a test and I don't, I don't pass that test, I'm gonna have to. If oh, that, oh, that grade, let's say if I'm in the in the seventh grade, if I don't learn the basic criteria for that, I'm gonna have to repeat that again. Wow. Well, wow. those choices that you make is gonna cause you, and you're wondering why you're no further along now than you were 15 and 20 years, you still dealing with the same thing. It's because, it's simple. It's because that's just, those are not mistakes. Those are just choices you made and they're repeating themselves because you haven't learned from them. Wow. Scipio, bro, this is, this is blessing somebody. I got three more and then we're gonna get out of here, okay? okay. Uh, the next one, and you've already addressed this and I want some people in the chat to address this one as well because I think this is gonna bless somebody. But being at your most broken gives you an opportunity to step into your greatest self. And you know what? In listening to Scipio Brown tonight versus Scipio Brown that brought put me on a plane and brought me in town for a revival and took me out for, you know, to eat and all those things. To listen to Scipio Brown tonight is much more of a man, is much more of a God man, godly type man. Because your look, it looks as though being at your most broken has given you the opportunity to step into your greatest self. Would you agree with that? I agree a hundred and a hundred percent, man. I just believe that eyes haven't seen, ears have haven't heard what good things that God has in store for me. I believe that He allowed me to go through everything that I've gone through. And it's for a reason. And that's so that I might be a witness to somebody else of the goodness of God, of the mercy of God, not only the goodness and the mercy of God, but that people may see his resurrection power. Mm. Res the resurrection, it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, a, it was a, it was a person. Had to be Jesus God. Jesus was resurrected, man. And he has that same resurrection power for you and I. Yeah, and I thank God for his resurrection power, man. Listen, I, I done been through the worst, man. You you give me three days, and I promise you, I'm going to get back up again. Do all the talking you want. Knock me down all you want. Give me three days, and I promise you, I'm going to get back up again. All right, last one. You're capable of overcoming anything and are finally ready for success. When you really, 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 really have gone through what you, when you've grown through what you're going through and you've grown through it, versus G-R-O-A-N, you've grown through it, what you're going through, but then you've grown through it, G-R-O-W-N. Now you're capable of, of becoming anything. Because you know what? I tell people a lot of times what I go through on purpose. And for some people think I'm telling my business. Now I want them to know. You know what? 
Because when I come out, I want them to know it wasn't nobody but God. Wasn't nobody. I couldn't. I didn't have enough money to buy my way out. My talk game wasn't that great. I couldn't talk my way out. I mean, I didn't have. I, mean, I didn't look that good, so I couldn't look my way out. But if I put it out there enough, and you see it, and you know when I was broke. You know when I made bad decisions. You know when I did that. But God brought me through it. Guess what? I was stuck on the couch about four years ago. I wish I could turn the camera around. I got a new couch now. I don't have the same couch I used to have. I ain't got, I ain't got that couch. I got I got a new couch. And this one's brand new. It's white. I mean, it's well, kind of beige. And got a little chase on it. All that kind of stuff. You know. But I had to go through what I went through. And that's and that and that's what it was. And that's what it was. And tonight, Bible, the Bible says that we're overcome, coming by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of their testimony. Man, some people have come over tonight based on your testimony. David, we you brought you referenced him earlier. David was in a low place. David said, I was in a horrible pit in the miry clay. But guess what happened? He brought me out. And when he brought me out, he established he, he not only did he set my feet on a rock, but he established my goal. And that's what God will do for you. He'll, he'll set your feet on a rock. That rock represents a, a, a firm place, a solid foundation, right? And solid, and 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 you, if you wanna, if you're trying to get a good start, it's a whole lot easier to do it on a rock than it is on mud, because on mud you have a tendency of slipping back, and the very thing that you just fell in, or you, or that you're trying to get out of. And I believe God, I believe God has brought you out. He took you to Carlisle. And you're in Carlisle, and you're being faithful over the few. I've noticed now that you're even faithful with your Bible study on Wednesday nights, and I love that. I'll sneak in and check you out. Every now and then, you get comfort. You ask me tonight about this platform, and I got a feeling in a couple of weeks I'm going to be seeing you on StreamYard. I just got a sneaky suspicion I'm going to be seeing you on StreamYard in a few weeks, man. And, and I'm, hey, man, I'm, I'm so I'm so excited about you. You told me something a long time ago. Like I told you earlier today, I don't, I don't plagiarize everybody, but every now and then I will still focus on somebody. But when I was going through something a long time ago, you told me you told me these words. You said it gets you said it gets greater later. And I think that you're stepping. I think later has arrived for you. And I think you're stepping into your greater. And I'm so excited about your future. And I think everybody in the chat. Is excited about your future, man. I saw. Uh, I've never had more reactions than I had people in the uh, in the chat room. I got 35 reactions, but only got 32 people in the chat room, and that's 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 a blessing, man. They dropped hearts tonight. They shared a comment. I encourage you, man, to go back and read through the comments and see the affirmations that people have given you. And y'all know that those that don't know, affirmation is like oxygen for the soul. You know, sometimes we just need to hear it. And, uh, and 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 uh, and we've heard his heart tonight, and uh, and I, I and I'm just so so excited. But I'd like to thank everybody that has been listening in on tonight to the Intellectual Stew. We're here every Monday night uh, at 9 p.m. Uh, my time, but that's Eastern time, 8 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time, and we try our best to have conversations that are relevant, uh, some that people can relate to. Uh, and I think a lot of people related to this story tonight. Uh, I've missed my co-hosts. They haven't been on with me this year. I wanted to start the year off with me and leading. So the first, if you didn't have a call the first couple of shows, we talked about uh, uh, what we talk about fathering, uh, being fathers through the uh, me, uh, parenting through the black father, uh, through the lens of black fathers, 
and we talked about uh, the universal nature of fathers. I had Reverend Corey Morris on both of those shows, and uh, and, and Reginald uh, Reggie Slinton and uh, Reginald Curry. So we've had some really good shows, some really good shows. So uh, I want you to be a part, but I'm, I'm gonna bring my girls back next week. I miss my Ashley and Lady Karen, so I'm gonna bring them back, and we're gonna start doing some more shows. But y'all, if you will continue to follow me, I'm uh, the Mind Massager on uh, Instagram. Uh, the Intellectual Stew on YouTube and on Facebook, and you can uh, see our content because we're going to continue to have these conversations. Scipio has been my friend for 25, 26, 28 years, and uh, he's going to continue to be my friend. And if we were good friends in our mess, just think what's going to happen when now that we're both going through our healing. Now, we, I guess the best word to say we've grown. <laughs> we, we finally grown up and we've grown through the stuff. That we did. Cecil, uh, Brother Cecil Gibson said, "Thank uh, God bless you, Pastor Cynthia A. Brown." Corey Meyer said, "God bless you." Praying for the many lives that will be changed. You hear that? Praying for the many. That's what you told me when we got on the show. You said, "Man, I just hope we help somebody." And she just said, "Thank you for the many lives that will be changed by your testimony." I want to thank our sponsors, uh, Body Works Chiropractic, uh, uh, with Dr. Kevin Flight. He bought me a microphone, y'all. So uh, I'll have a new microphone here pretty soon. And Brother Andre Demetrius, he brought me. I don't know why, but people started to into me now. He blessed me with an interface, so we're going to get our sound better uh, real soon. And I'm looking forward to that. Anybody else that wants to be a blessing to this uh, platform, please, ma'am, please, sir, uh, you can uh, cash out to cash out the intellectual suit. It is uh, going across the ticker at the bottom. Uh, if you want to be a supporter, uh, I'm, I'm probably in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start listing my supporters on the ticker. So if you want to come in, $10, 15 20 $25 a month uh, to help us get this to the next level, we sure do appreciate it. I got my friend, John Wilson, uh, pastor of Yahweh Ministries. He just started a new work here in Atlanta. I'm praying for him. Brother Carlos, man, I appreciate you. I'm honored that you came and hung out with us a little while tonight. Carlos is a real good mover and shaker slash influencer and pastor and all those things in the, in the city of Little Rock and the barber and everything. And he's in tonight, and I appreciate that. All of y'all, I don't want to get off because there's still 36 people in the chat, but I got to because I don't have nothing else to say. <laughs> so uh, I think I'm about to cut this short. What I do with my phone? Uh, when I can't even find Oh, there it is. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, about to cut this short. And as I always say, when uh, I get ready to get out of here, I always say that the world is changing. The que my question for you is why do you remain the same? All right. So y'all have a good night. And I will look forward to talking to you all again. Do me a favor. Meet me here next week. Nine o'clock. Same time, I might bring Scipio back. We might talk about something else. We might talk about a technical trick or something. That's my partner. We're going to They ain't never heard a sermon out there. They'd love to hear a sermon out there. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, you're real. Hit the cash app, cash app, the, uh, the intellectual suit. Be a blessing tonight. Uh, and uh, the world, like I said before, the world is changing. Why do you remain the same? You're on the path to what, Scipio? Better. On the path to better. Y'all have a good night.